to you, sir. My dude, how are you? I am absolutely marvellous. However, I recognise that the lighting in here at the moment is shocking. You? <laughs> Does it look all right from your end? On your end? or Yeah, you look great to me, man. From from here? I know you've been complimentary, but I mean, actually, from a lighting perspective. <laughs> from a light, yeah, from a lighting perspective, you're, you're wonderful. And I don't release the video of these anyway, so it's no problem. Oh, well, worry about that then too much. This is just audio. Yeah, we're good. I'm just here just to see you, so it's it's cooler. Is so, the audio looking, sounding good? Sound all right? Yeah, does it sound good to you from me? Hello, hello. That's not coming through that mic. No? Is it now? No, it's not. You're not coming through your mic. You're coming through something else, aren't you? I'm probably, it's probably the computer. Let me see. Can you hear me, though? I can hear you, yeah. Absolutely right. fine. Well, then I'm not worried about it. We're good. This mic well, what do you know? Tough, this mic I have kind of sucks anyway. Um, really? What mic do you have? Oh, you want to see? It's a beaut. It's a Shure MV7. Shure MV7. It's... All right, I'm going to look into that. It... I need a new mic. That's been on my radar. I need to well, professionalize my podcast setup. So tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Well, you cannot go far wrong with this. Hang on, I'll go and get the box. I'll show it. Hang on, see. All right, bro. There we go. This is it here. Okay. That looks beautiful. I need to hook it not up. Not the cheapest. I, I admit it is not the cheapest microphone I've ever bought. All right. Well, hey, it's an it's probably the most expensive microphone. How much? How much are we talking? Let me just run work out. Well, in great British pounds, it was about two hundred and sixty quid. It's like it's like five hundred dollars just... American. I think. Is it really? Yeah, I think so. Let's have a look. Uh, that's on Samurai. 216. $362. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. I've dealt with worse. I spent far much more on women yeah. and drugs in my life. I might as well buy the microphone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yeah. yeah. Never really thought of it like that, but... You need one of these little little clip-on cradle arms to go for with it. All right. Well, next time it just we comes have... like this bit. I love it. I love it. You look great. Um, next time we have you back, I'll have a better podcast setup. It's been one of my goals since the podcast has increased in popularity. I'm just I, I need to keep up yeah. with the times. You know, it's usually just us on a Zoom call or something. So I'm going to step it up. Well, one of my one of our cool DJs, Jess Townley. Yeah. who does a, a show, Jesse Luscious does a show. He does punk. And uh, he he messaged me about a month ago and said, I've just listened to your, your interview on Death Comes Lifting. Oh, no way. Went, did you? Oh, cool. How <laughs> long ago did we record that? It was a while ago, wasn't it? Two years ago, probably. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Well, let's, let's... Like, I really loved your honesty. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, man. 
That's so cool. Yeah, I am as well. I was like really chuffed because I was yeah, really that's, pleased. That's awesome, man. Well, let's update everybody he's... on what you've been doing in these past two years. Let's 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 talk about that, man. Where where have you been at? What are you doing now? You've got coaching services, you're killing the DJ game, you're interviewing Susie Quattro, you're doing awesome shit. <laughs> tell, tell us <laughs> I'm doing all sorts of things. Happens. Huh? Wow. It's been a strange. Let's take it back a little bit, maybe to sort of eighteen months, perhaps. Yeah. We have, time. and uh, we, we, that's the beautiful thing. We do have it's a commodity, isn't it? Yes, it is. I have to mention before I do say anything though that today I have had my Pfizer vaccination. Oh, my cool. first one! You got it already. Nice. Got it already. Over the moon. Boom! Absolutely over the moon. Good. I'm, I'm happy for it, you. I'm, I'm happy you met it, me after that. Yeah. <laughs> Happy we're celebrating this way. Let's let's celebrate that for a minute. But yeah, last eighteen months has just been well. How can I describe it? It's just been an, an absolutely. It's been a privilege to have taken this adventure that I've been on in this last few months. It's just been a really bizarre situation, bizarre in the greatest way of meeting people, opportunity, and all of this on with the backdrop of. COVID-19, which has decimated people's lives. Sure. Really made things difficult. Sure. But there are some little beams of light that show through it just a bit. And I decided to change my entire working career, uh, my day job, as it were. I didn't I finally left the company that I was working for and took on a master's journey, as in master's degree journey which I'd never expected to take in my entire life. You know, I've not been, uh, I wasn't a college student. I wasn't really academic at school. Um, and I left education with nothing really in, back in 93. And that space in between, I've been doing a lot of things, but I came to a point where I had to do something. And I had this, I kept having this absolute urge, almost like a calling to help um, artists, creative industry people. Uh, I had a phone call uh, with a friend of mine uh, who then put me in touch with somebody else who then rang me and said, would you like to come and do a master's degree at my college? Wow. And I was like, okay, <laughs> tell me more about it. What else you got? Yeah. What else have you got? Yeah. And he, uh, he just said to me, he just said, look, you've had a lot of experience over the years. And what we want to do is we want to frame, frame it in academia to give you a degree. And I was like, well, okay. I wasn't doing much else at the time. And I thought, well, if I don't do something now, this is this is an opportunity I can't miss. So I took the master's journey, took me just over a year, uh, passed. So I do have now have this shiny new certificate with Master of Arts written across it. But I decided to use my master's degree in order to create a new idea. To, to develop ideas that I've been sort of playing with during that period of that master's journey, as they call it, in the world of academia, with lots more cleverer people than me. But I was sort of thinking of this notion of helping artists create their narrative, their stories. And I finally come up with really sort of this thing about narrative emotion, which is the space between the artist and their music, the spoken or written word that expressed the artist's journey, 
and sort of complements that overall narrative but requires the same level of detail as a piece of music can deliver. It's that space in between where I saw my, what they call, I guess, a USP, a unique selling point. So I created Haywood Media Coaching with that idea of getting the artist's narrative in motion. They've got their music, they've got their lyrics, Mm -hmm. but the narrative, the story that drives them, the one that connects their audience with them, the emotional connection, and you do this quite well. You connect with people on an emotional level as well as a physical level. So your work with your, your sort of health work that you do, you don't just get people to do exercise. You, you invest in them emotionally. They invest in you emotionally. We've become friends sure. over the last few years through that journey of sort of self-seeking, trying to understand ourselves a bit better mm-hmm. and our place in the world. So now I'm on this path almost like, and it's an unstoppable path. It's something now that I can't. I've got this thing, I've literally got my own narrative in motion and I can't, I can't it's impossible to, to, to break. I feel it coming out of you. You're on your hero's journey. I can feel, I can feel you on the path, you know, you're on, you're on your, the hero's journey. That's where you're at. I can, you, you have a different tone of voice and delivery about you now, you know, you're on your path. And I can sense that. That's super special. It, it, it's um, it's the best I've ever felt, personally. Obviously, we talked in the, in the last time we, we, we yeah. sat and spoke together. It was about mental health issues. And, you know, those things never really go away. True. But when you do find something that helps you to redefine your day-to-day, redefine who you are, without sounding too... You know, I'm not trying to be somebody's guru sure. by any stretch of the means because I don't really believe in that system. Sure. I believe people have everything within them to do what they need to do rather than looking to me to find the answers. I feel the same way. It's a line I walk very carefully. You know, you have to you have to be uh, it's really just keeping your ego in check, I think, too. You know, absolutely. That's all it is. You know, but I always I just try to find the point at which people will realize it in themselves and bring that out of them rather than like me, this is me telling you to do this because who am I at the end of the day? I'm just trying to figure it out as much as you or anybody yeah. else. You know, it's important to just be that human connection, but bring that inspiration and drive out of people that we have a special gift. People like us, me and you, whoever's listening to this, odds are if you're listening to this, you might be in tune too, but I feel like, I see more in people than they see in themselves. And I feel like that's true about you as well. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think as you do not take the journey with this person, as in you show them what they need to do, but it's very much their journey. They have to put the physical effort and the mental effort in to apply themselves to the regimes that you create for people. Whereas the similar, the similar line that I have is that I work with people on their narratives, on their stories, their biographies for their artist pages or their interviewing and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I do not write the words. They write their own words because it's their story, their connectivity, their connection to themselves, the fans and the fans to them. That relationship is very much them not me 
I don't take any part in that. Cool. And I used an analogy a little while ago to somebody about the way I see my role is that your career is like a paper boat on a very still pond. And it has a certain course and direction. And as it's on its course and direction, occasionally it will drift either from one way or the other side to one side. doesn't matter which way. My job is just to tap that paper boat back on course without affecting its true destination. It's quite a simple thought, really, but that's exactly what I'm here to do. It's pretty wizard-like of you, <laughs> especially with your British accent. That's, uh, that's very Gandalf-like of you. I thought we were going to go down the Black Sabbath route then with a the reference to wizard. Oh, but, we, well, uh, we will. I'm just waiting till the end. I'll derail this entire conversation by bringing up Black Sabbath right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's for everybody else's sake that I didn't bring that up, but thank you. Um, what? <laughs> What was it about? What is it about the narrative that the narrative angle that you're working with and your in your branding and your in your realm? Like, what sparked that? Like, when you were like, "Yes, that's the thing that I'm going to go for." The narrative, yeah. the story. Everybody's drawn to the story, so it makes sense to me, and I get it now. But I feel like that's kind of an abstract idea, just to come up with and say, like, "This is my thing that I'm going to do is work on your story as an artist and promote that." You know, that's very unique of an idea. So where did that come from? Strangely enough, I would probably argue to, the, to, to, to differ to that viewpoint. Okay. And the reason why I say this is that, you know, stories have been passed and told and rewritten and written with purpose or entertainment since the dawn of time. Right. The, 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 there's an ancient Sumerian text that dates back to 2600 BC that is documented. I can't remember the exact, I think it's Ramanesh or something, the poem of Ramanesh or something like that. Someone will correct me, by the way. This is not me not looking at Google, so do forgive me. Sure. Um, but that poem is the very first story written on paper. 2,600 years before Christ. Now, fast forward all that time, and story has been told pretty much in the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting you mentioned the word the hero's journey because the hero's journey is what it's all about, really. It's that unassuming character that suddenly gets a call to action, that suddenly has a cause, or a story. So you have morality tales. Morality tales are the ways that people convey stories from you know from way back, and even they do them now. Morality plays and so on. Yeah. Where the lesson is learnt at the end in the conclusion. Every episode of Star Trek is like that. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much, it's a morality Fair. play. Fair, yes, sir. Very much. So all these methods of story and so on and so forth have been ingrained so much into our DNAs. This is where your bit came in, where you said that it's such an abstract proposal, an abstract concept, whereas I argue that it's not. It's, an, it's, a, it's a concept. It's a very known concept, yeah. which has been overlooked okay. because it's become so normal. So every day you read a book, you watch a film, you watch a TV show, an advertisement on the TV. They're all written in that story format. 
And now they're all designed to appeal to people on an emotional level, to resonate, to paraphrase a very uh, intellectual, interesting person called Nancy Duarte, who basically she writes this book about resonating with her audience. And it's about, for her, it's in the corporate world where she helps um, senior business people in the boardroom to present information, important um, commercial information in an engaging and meaningful way to stop people from basically falling asleep in the boardroom. I've done that myself. I've sat through in a presentation and fallen asleep. Sure. Because it's like, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got, you know, we've got this amount of sales to do by that time of year and this time this year. And if we don't do, people will get redundant. And you're just like, oh, dear, this is dull. Fall sure. asleep, think about something else, put your head out the window somewhere and dream of a dream of freedom. Think about Black and, Sabbath. Think about Black Sabbath. Yeah. Iron yeah. Maiden, whatever tickles your fancy. For sure. And um, just do that. So now what Nancy's saying there really is you don't need to bore the tears off people. You need to tell them something. You need to tell a piece of information. It's one thing to deliver a series of pieces of information. It's another thing to appeal to your audience on an emotional level, to resonate, to, to demonstrate adversity. Show me your struggles. Show me your pains. And I'll make you a hero. That's what the story proposition is all about. And the same is applied in music, in the music industry. How often is a thing? How often have you watched somebody in a career with, with on the stage, the most charismatic character, huge stage presence, like God-sized stage presence, and then you're really surprised when somebody interviews them, they can barely string two words together. Sure. The, the, the disparity between the two is just enormous. It's like, a, it's like a chasm. It's not a void. It's a chasm. It's just completely poles apart from each other. That's where the narrative sits in between. The problem is that they can connect to their music and connect to their lyrics really, really well. That's how they speak. That's how they communicate with the world. But when it comes to verbal communication without music just spoken word to talk about them and their careers they're at a bit of a loss yeah they don't know what to say or do half of them i speak to so many artists every day who just go oh, i hate doing interviews and i go why oh, i don't know I just hate them i'll leave them to them people that that they, they, they can do the interviews i'm not bothered i'll concentrate on this yeah and I, I have said, you know, is it a, it's an avoidance tactic, isn't it? Be honest. And they said, yeah, 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 it is an avoidance. I am avoiding it. Why are you avoiding it? Because I don't really know what to say. Why don't you know what to say? I don't have a story to tell. Rubbish. Everybody has a story to tell. The problem is that you're not connected to it. It doesn't mean anything to you at the minute because you don't know what it is. So I help people to find the meaning of their story, create it with them, or help them create it, watch them flourish into this, yes, this is me, exciting piece of narrative that they've written down. 
and then unleash it on the world. And then when they go to an interview, they'll go, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this album's great. It's the best thing we've ever written because of... Next question. Bang, 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 bang. They've got the story in their back pocket as a piece of confidence. They're like, I can always... This is my reference book. This is my... This is my Bible. This is my absolute chapter and verse, what I want to tell people. So it gives people great confidence. Once they've got that, they tend to, the interview is actually quite a pleasurable experience because it's an opportunity to tell people what you do. And it's better for the audience to listen to too because you, anybody can connect to a story versus here's, here's a bunch of shit about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I call it death by Wikipedia. Yeah, that's true. And it's, you know, if you want to read somebody's timeline, go to Wikipedia. If you want to read somebody's story, go to one of my clients' Facebook story pages and see the difference. Sure. It actually engages you. Books, stories engage people. Stories make people feel good. Yeah, that's In why a short been... few sentences, you can do that. That's why we've been learning through myths since the dawn of time, right? You know, there, there's no, yeah, all the stories in the in any of the Greek texts, the Roman texts, the Hindu texts, they're all crazy epic myths, but they're all meaningful. And uh, we derive a lot of uh, morals from them, but they're totally ridiculous at the same time. Like they're obviously a story, but that's how more people connect with than here's a how to book <laughs> or like, you know, nonfiction. And I, that's something yeah. I struggled with too. I always would growing up read a lot of non-fiction and kind of think that fiction didn't what was like for kids or whatever and then only pretty recently into adulthood i started reading more fiction and saying like wow this is a lot this connects with me a lot deeper and i'm learning a lot more about life through these stories than just facts you know mm -hmm. and i think that's uh, uh, we're treading similar water with what you're doing there and speaking for me personally as well i think starting death comes lifting and everything I was apprehensive about putting my personal story out there because I felt people didn't care. You know, I didn't want me to be the center of anything. I wanted, to, I wanted the art and the brand and the image to be its own thing and people can gravitate towards that. And it's not about me who created it. But very quickly, it became apparent that a lot more people cared about why I created it than the fact that it existed. Yeah. And when I started being more open on the podcast about the story, about everything like that, it uh, grew exponentially. And uh, that's basically what you do. <laughs> and you're speaking to me personally, I feel like right now, I never put that together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. In a nutshell, it is yeah. exactly that. You, you have a tremendous, people are attracted to interesting stories. So for me, when we first met, yeah, I dug the imagery. Yeah. I really loved the designs and just the ethos of doing exercise to to heavy music, which is not too common, to be perfectly honest with you. It's it, it's it's becoming more common, but it's not. When you started the game, it certainly wasn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that I'd seen, a, a, you know, health and fitness with heavy metal. It was just like, wow, this is an incredible thing. So I was attracted to that story. And but ergo, we became friends. Sure. And we started talking. And we couldn't, in health terms, you couldn't find two people further apart. But in lots of other ways, 
in mental health, in outlook on life, in attitude to music and culture and, and things that, you know, we found our common ground, we found our bond. Definitely. So even before I knew you, your story, your proposition was attractive. I was drawn into it. And some people get it. Yeah. Few get it from the beginning. And it's a developing thing. My own narrative is developing every day as a coach. So every customer that I have, that I, that I work with, every client that I spend time with, I come away from that experience learning an awful lot about myself as well as working with others. Every single coaching period is a different experience. It's huge. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Because you never know, you never quite know how, what the outcome will be. You, you have a hope for an outcome. So in my case, when we do our biography modeling workshops, that we come away with a, with a bio that absolutely pisses all over everybody else's and absolutely has the energy of the of the product that was that, that we're that we're aiming to sell, mm-hmm. i.e. the new album. So if you've got a new album that is absolutely four four to the floor, crazy, energetic metal, you know that sort of flag in the in the sand. Here we are. I'm going to take you on my journey, sort of kind of music. Then the narrative that's attached to that needs to also express that same level of energy. So if I'm working with a jazz pianist or a soloist that doesn't play that kind of music, you have to pitch the story at a different level of energy. Yeah. You can't go aggressively flailing in fists <laughs> with, a, with a cellist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or cellist playing traditional cello music. You know, you have to pitch it to the, you know, the way you have to have an understanding of your client to help them to pitch it to their audience. What do you say? So it's to quite the artist, unusual. The, the, what do you say to the artist like maybe me at the beginning or, you know, a band that wants to remain anonymous or anything like that? You know, that got popular because of like Ghost, I think, you know, there's sure. all, there's like that's almost the appeal of a band like Ghost is there's almost no story. But in fact, they made up their own kind of mysticism around that Um, what what do you say to an artist like that that's like hey I don't want this to be about me but here's my art here's this character I've created where do we go from where do we go from here we take the focus from the individual to the piece okay so let's say I worked with Ghost which I haven't which I would love to I'm trying Uh, to make that happen for you don't worry if uh, if Tobias Forge is listening yeah I I sent uh, sent an email to I sent an email to Papa Five. We're tight, so I got to put yeah, it in the work for you. I bought all their records on vinyl, so I think at least they could give me some work out of this. But yeah. <laughs> joking aside, <laughs> if it was somebody like that, then uh-huh. the narrative is pretty simple. We focus on the theme rather than the individuals. Okay. So in the narrative of Ghost, I wouldn't be so interested to say what it was like for the artist to create this album where we are 
because I use three points of reference. I use where, where are we now? Where are we right now in this moment? That's exactly where, where, where we find this, this, this bio narrative. How do we get there? So from a chosen point in time, example, when we decided to write, start writing for this album. And then where are you taking me next? Where are we going with this? What's the ambition? You've got this now. You've got us. You've got the story. It's exciting. I'm ready. What's next? And if you go, yeah, it's just going to be released on CD. <laughs> then it's like, oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take me on the adventure. I want to go on an adventure with you. And I use three words, and I'm actually going to find it in my little book that I've got here. I would love it. Would love and it. it's a proposition. Okay. Which I use. I shouldn't know it really. In fact, I probably end up getting it tattooed on me at some point. I would imagine just to remind me. Let's do it. Three things that I want you to do. I want you to invite me. I want you to excite me. And then I want you to ignite me. I love it. I'm going to take that. Yeah. I'm taking that with me after today. Invite me. Tell me, you know, give me a reason to find out what you're about. Grab me, hook me in, give me the story hook, and then excite me. Tell me how fantastic this is and what a great thing you are. And then ignite me, inspire me, basically. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to follow you until you fall on your ass and can't do it anymore. And guess what? I'm going to pick you up and then carry you. I want that level of enthusiasm from the fans. Yeah. And it's it's just such an... I'll get goosebumps every single time that I, I even think of that proposition. And it's dead simple. Just three of them. Invite me, excite me, ignite me. That's all. Hey, That's all man. I ask. I love that. I feel like I've been doing that subconsciously this whole time. So the, you're, 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 <laughs> you're, uh, you're giving me like positive reinforcement right now. And I, I like this. I feel like this, I've used this podcast to turn it into like a, a low key consultation call for you. I should start charging you for your services. <laughs> Maybe. Ooh, Maybe. excited. Yeah. But absolutely. But the thing about this is the other part of the journey is a completely different way of thinking i rewired myself because when i started on this journey i was worried about doing a nine to five i was worried about making x amount a week x amount a month x amount a year to make sure that the bills were covered yada 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 so on and so forth and the focus is focus and i admit this now i don't really like admitting it usually but i will here the focus in the beginning was how can I make money from this? No, completely the wrong thing to think about. I made a shift from thinking about that to then thinking, how can I best serve people? How can I serve my clients? And I spend my entire existence serving the heck out of people. And everything else falls into place. Show your service, show your value. Yes, you do have the the conversation of what your hourly rate is and what this session is going to cost, blah, blah, blah. 
But by the time that the time you've had that conversation, you should be in a position to show people to demonstrate through action, positive action, the things that you want to do to help them to find their sticking point, to find their where they you know. Tell me what what your greatest problems are right now with your music, with you as an artist. Tell me exactly what you think I can help you with. We get to the detail, we sort the detail, and we turn it around and put it on a different path. So I don't worry about anything else. There's no point because it's a fruitless exercise. I can't compare my hours to the way that I used to think about working. Five o'clock, right then, out the door. Because it just doesn't happen like that anymore. I work 10, you know, quite often until 10 o'clock at night. Weekends, Sunday, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, whatever. Yeah, doesn't matter. I go where the service is needed. Me too. So, it so that's the, the paradigm shift that that the complete change in yeah. in mindset, and that really helped me help my mental health so much. And it makes you realize how much better being of service feels than getting a paycheck at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know, and how much better, how much more rewarding that paycheck is knowing you actually put the effort in to serve people and you earn that and that person benefited from you too, you know, versus just pocketing money. You know, I always, always think about service over, over anything. And then the more, more customers will come. Simple. Absolutely. I have, I, I have a coach myself. Oh, good. Yeah. We have to. A coach needs a coach. Yeah, absolutely. My, my coach is a guy called Nick Bartini, and I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning him here. And he wrote a book called Just Play. Uh, he's a he's a he's a transformative coach, but he talks to me quite often, and we when we discuss this thought, this idea of selfless, loving service. Give yourself completely to the process. Throw your emotion straight into it. Throw your all. Give your all to your client. And it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done, decided to do. You know, arguably later than later in life than I'd, I'd, I'd probably wished I'd done. Yeah. But at least I'd done it. Hey, man, you're and, very uh, young. You haven't figured out. You have the rest of your life ahead of you to live, live in this bright future that you're painting for yourself you're just you feel like even the last time we talked not on the official podcast i could tell just we you had a different vibration about you you know you're doing the right thing you look healthy you feel like it seems like you're mentally just there and i i'm really proud of you dude on a, on a, you. On a personal friendship level i'm uh, really happy and excited for you and we're very much on the same path and it, it's very cool to talk to you about it thank you yeah, really thank appreciate you. you having me here to do that when somebody comes to you, Adam, I need your mm-hmm. services. What's the process like? What's the journey? Wow. The journey. It, 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 I have people come to me from all corners, from some, some quite expected corners and some, some stuff that's come my way that I have not expected in the slightest. Okay. But we all kind of go through the same thing. So I have to really... If, if if I if you were to come to me for to be to be coached mm-hmm. or were to look at your story, we'd talk first, obviously. We'd have a consultation. We'd sit there for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and you tell me 
everything about you. Everything you, you need to express, everything you need to know. And I'll ask you a load of questions, tons and tons and tons of questions. And then we'll look at, we'll kind of hone it down to some key areas. Because I think what's important, once the work starts, once the clock starts ticking on those sessions, it's important for me to know exactly where we're going. So I can offer you the best service I can possibly give you with no, um, with no, uh, how can I put it, no um, way of being ambiguous, no way of looking at something and just going, you know what, not quite sure. It has to be absolutely clear. And I'm, I'm, I'm frantically looking at my files at the moment because I'm going to tell you a, a little quote. Please which do. I think I think you may enjoy, and it might be good. It might be nice for the listeners to to uh, to hear this because obviously, when you're trying to sell your music, when you're trying to market yourself as a musician by having an engaging story, Nancy Duarte, who I've mentioned a few moments ago, put this in completely the best context I've ever seen or ever read. I should say. So in my biography workshops, we talk about simplicity and clarity. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Don't make it difficult for people to reach you. Make their journey from A to B, so from them to you, really easy to understand. Sure. And Nancy says, the enemy of persuasion is obscurity. Ooh, I like that. That's a nugget. <laughs> isn't that not That's, it's wonderful isn't it yeah you can sit with that one for a while so just yeah. be straightforward just let them let them know what's up that's how you that's how you seal the deal basically that's how you absolutely persuade. don't be obscure about things be perfectly clear make people feel comfortable in your company and the, and to trust through through clear definition what you're there to do and if you tell somebody, like I do, I'm here to serve you. Tell me what you, how best you feel I could serve you. Because if I serve them in a way and they don't, it's not quite what they wanted, they won't be happy. The, the service would have prov provided some information, but not the full clarity of it. Whereas if you tell me exactly by a series of questions, so we'll, it might take a, an hour to get to the points, but it's an hour best spent by us all. Mm -hmm. We get to that point. Then I know exactly where to serve you best. And if that's satisfied your answers, your search, and created you your narrative, we part ways and you're very, very happy. And I am over the moon that I've been able to do something for somebody else. So it's a, it's a win-win situation, but it yep. takes work to get to it. You can't just turn up. It's not like opening up a shop and going, this is uh, box A, this is box B. Right. That's going to cost you that much. That's going to cost you that much. Okay, let's tick these boxes within the box. It doesn't work that way. Right. It'll never work that way. Right. And it's very much, it's work on the client's end too. You know, that, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. a lot of clients might expect there to be less work. And I, you know, I've dealt with this myself, training people and online, especially, you know, a lot of people don't really know how to be clear about what they want 
or how much work it's going to take on their end to get the result too. You know, like yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the wind blowing your paper sailboat across the ocean. Like you said, I, you have to, at the end of the day, steer the boat too. You know, how so do I, you manage I, it with your clients and how do you manage your clients' expectations? Very, very similar to you. It starts with a conversation, you know, and I try to be very clear about what I can provide, what you, I want to make sure what your goals are and how we can work together to meet them. Here's what I'll provide for you. Here's what I expect out of you. And, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, I hope you got something out of it and I gained experience and work from working with you. And it's very mm-hmm. much the same way. And I just, you know, I'm always there. Death comes lifting uh, social media pages, always open for questions and, and anything that anybody can help with. So we're always, we always just try to be of service all the time. So it's very much the same, same way. So it's coming from the same place, isn't it? You yeah, give that absolutely. selfless, loving service. Talk I spoke about of course. a few moments ago. And what, what is cool about what we're doing now with the whole Lifting Dead Army page, that's like a subscription. It's a, you know, it's a private community. So I like to make it like an online gym, but giving people that community, that sense, that feel, you know, they interact with each other. Clients talk to one another. I put something out there. They can all talk about it. We can talk about it together. I have people on podcasts with me from my own clients that, you know, we talk and it's a community building experience. And especially now, you know, especially during the pandemic and everything happening, that is the biggest impact on mental health. You know, people miss going out and seeing shows. People miss going out to the gym, hanging out with their friends, you know, so if we can provide that as well, that's just an extra layer of fortitude for health and wellness that uh, is, is something I'm honored to honored to provide. The know? community, the yeah. community thing is the most important thing, especially like you say, at the moment with the yeah. way the world is with COVID-19, right? where it's there, a virus is there to divide us. Whereas with the human condition is so incredible when you think it adapts and survives much like a virus does quite, it behaves in the same way. Very much. Yeah. You show us an obstacle. We work out how to get around it or to, you know, or to overcome it. We adapt. And we that's very, on. that's very heavy metal too, isn't it? You know, sure. The whole com- heavy metal community is the whole music, the whole scene. We're all there for each other. We're all there for the same reason. And that's, that's very, it all comes from heavy metal ethos, man. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I always come back to that. You've only got to go to festivals like Bloodstock in the UK, which is a festival I go to every year. One day yeah. I'll come with you. You shall. You'll be there drinking mango cider. That's a different thing. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> but, it's, but, but it's a real community. I spend the entire four days, five days this year, but four days historically, talking to people, mm-hmm. meeting up with people, sharing the joy of the heavy music. But that aside, enjoying the community of people and you know each other's company, you know, I'll walk past somebody's tent and they'll go, cool, you look rough, mate. Do you have a big night last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did actually had a few too many beers. Do you want a bacon sandwich or a cup of tea? Yeah. Oh, yes, please. And you go and sit with complete strangers. They give you breakfast. It's amazing. That's just like, it doesn't happen in, in normal life. Yeah. You don't walk past somebody's house and go, mmm, bacon. I can smell that. And then they go, oh, do you want to come in and have a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But a, but a bloodstock, it's very common to make friends, almost like making friends out of fresh air. For sure. 
and I'll, that's what I love it. about it. Yeah. All about because about the metal, exactly. Twenty five thousand people yeah. getting together yeah. just to celebrate everything about it. Man, that's uh, yeah, it speaks volumes, and I love how, and it's been my mission since I started this, and I know it's it's one of yours too, is just to bring that sense of community and pride and helping one another and good positive energy that we get from heavy metal out into the world to make people healthier and make the world a better place. It really, it really works. And we're doing the right thing, man. Absolutely. I agree. 110% brother. My brother. Well, this has been a pleasure to talk to you, dude. As it is you. Thank you for having me as a, a guest on again. And I hope that, um, that your listeners have enjoyed this <laughs> rather than me just rattling on about what I do for a living, but, it's it's been great it needed to happen the listeners love you it's been a great conversation and we're going to have you back on soon and then maybe we'll just talk about black sabbath next time how about that about that do you think that you know, before we go let's just get to the blog from something black sabbath do you think there will ever be another black sabbath show will, the, no. will they do one more they're done no they're done they're what retired do you think he's pulling through uh, i would hate to speculate however yeah. Um, I think obviously with his admittance of his own illness and he's, you know, he's looking after his own health. Well, better now than arguably better now than he's ever done. I think the path back to the stage is a bit more fraught than it was before. It was an easier thing for him to do before, but now he has his own challenges. I guess I, I, I would, I would say that probably not. I think, you know, the amount of times I've booked tickets to see Aussie and that's been canceled because of health issues. I don't blame him. I know. I don't. I don't get angry about it. Right. I'm like, I want him as much as anybody else does to be there. I've been very fortunate to see the band three or four times I know. over the years, and um, they're an absolute. You know, it's one of the best experiences you can get if you're into heavier music. You know, Sabbath is probably the best thing that's ever happened, but of arguably, of course, no, I'm I'm 100 with you. <laughs> but uh, you will definitely I think Ozzy's retired obviously well obviously uh, Ozzy's retiring I think yeah um Geezer's retired he's he's been well documented and said that um, he's not doing anything else now he's finished he's done sure he'll go off on his cruises and go on holiday and do what it. he likes to do he earned it right but they've earned it exactly he, he's very involved in 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 the um animal rights movements in peta and and so on and so forth and he has his own personal causes that he likes to look at tony still plays tony iomi will probably play till he drops i would love to see a tony iomi solo performance if it ever happens it'd be great if you're going to see black sabbath in any formation whatsoever it'll be driven by tony iomi i can guarantee that. oh for sure didn't, didn't Bill Ward put, isn't he putting out a new record? Or am I am I off about that? I don't know. I'm not quite sure of that one. I would um, love to see Bill Ward. His what, one of his his solo record is good as fuck. I would hope so. Yeah. All right. We're, we can make this happen. So <laughs> let's do it. Bill, if you're listening, come on, mate. Bill, if you're listening. One brummy to another. Let's do it. Come on our podcast. We'll hype it up and then we'll we'll sell out tickets. That'll be the first show. Absolutely. Ever. One of the finest drummers. Of all time, underrated. Uh, another UK guy. What is it with the UK and great drum, great musicians? It's and unbelievable, isn't and it? Great people like yourself, Mister Hayward. Well, exactly, exactly. Exemplary members of society. Exactly. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, man. I've eaten up enough of your Saturday afternoon. I appreciate being with you, my man. Thank you for being here. 
I love you. We'll talk soon. Love you too. Hey, what over, Renate? My friend. Later.